Hello, and welcome to another in-depth episode from Community Bible Church. Pastor Tim and I are sitting down to have a conversation about the Reformation. We want to take a look at the Reformation because as we head into October, Pastor Tim is going to take a short break from 1 Peter to do a five-part series on the five solas of the Reformation. We will discuss what happened during the Reformation of the Church, why the Reformation is so significant, and how it continues to shape the Church today. So Tim, let's start by talking about why the Reformation is important. The Reformation is a topic you often bring up in conversation or in sermons, and considering we have over 2,000 years of Church history, why is this period so significant in your understanding of the Bible and of the Church? Well, honestly, Caleb, I think even before we talk about the Reformation, uh, we need to go back and ask the question, why do we even study church history? And uh, one of the things that has been really near and dear to my heart is the idea that uh, we did not just all of a sudden, uh, just in our lives, history did not just start when you were born. Uh, History has been going on uh, for many, many, many years before you, and it has shaped and molded the world around you. And why you have the things you have and why you say the things you say have all been impacted by history. Let alone we get to church history and we start thinking about many of the uh, teachings of the church that were under attack and all of the struggles that the church went through to clarify this is what the God's Word says when error would come about. Because as we study church history, we see error that gets brought into the church and we see how the church Uh, goes back to the Word of God and using the Word of God to address the error and moving forward. And so if we don't learn from that, we are bound to repeat those same errors and be drawn away into the same levels of confusion that the church um, has answered many years before. I can remember a time of, I was at a church before before here several, many years ago, and there was a man who was bringing up uh, an issue that he he believed uh, was new, and it was actually an attack on the Trinity. And uh, the pastor said, no, actually a church council in a creed answered that question many, many years ago, and if he would have just read the church history, some of the things he was struggling on would have been easily answered, but uh, because of his failure to even understand church history, um, he was struggling with that issue. Yeah, I think a lot of people struggle with just taking it for granted. They take for granted the 2,000 years of, of theology and of understanding that the church has gained about the Bible. Because, um, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of what we work with today is um, things that have been dealt with over 2,000 years. And so we have the privilege of standing here with all of that understanding of, of theology and of the Bible that they didn't have, you know, shortly after the time of Jesus. The sheer fact, Caleb, that we have a Bible in a language that we can read is because of the Reformation. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really significant point. And again, one of those points that we can take for granted, um, you know, because of church history and because of, of the printing press and all of the people who worked at translating the Bible into the common language. Um, I, again, that's one of the points of the Reformation that it wasn't until what, the the 15th century, that people could read the Bible in their own language, that it was even translated out of out of Hebrew and Greek and, and then Latin into something that we could even read. So, um, yeah, it's important to understand. Uh, but why does this point, um, the, the Reformation, have such significance in your understanding of church history? Well, I would say um, literally at the heart of the Reformation is the gospel. The gospel is at stake 
in the Reformation because the uh, Roman Catholic Church, through many years of making salvation by faith plus and adding everything else in there, by years of the Catholic Church moving away from following Scripture alone and started to add tradition into it by many, many years of just confusion and uh, I would even say corruption in the Catholic Church, uh, the uh, Catholic Church had gotten to the point where it was so corrupt that we had these men and women calling for a needing to reform, needing to make changes in the Catholic Church. And as they would a- approach the leadership of the Catholic Church, they would be considered called heretics. And back in those days, when you were a heretic, you um, came to a usually a fiery end in either being burned to the stake or some type of uh, death that was brought to you. And uh, this was why these men and these women who stood in the, in the gap standing for the truth are men and women that I believe we should study and learn from because we live in a day and age where not only is the church uh, being influenced by the outside culture, the outside culture is completely against the things of the Bible, and we need more men and women to be standing for the truth. Um, it's interesting because most people think the Reformation started in 1517 when Martin Luther pounded the 95 Theses on the door there in Wittenberg, but really it actually started way back when, um, even in the uh, 1140 era, era um, uh, with a group of uh, people called the Waldensians, and they were a group of people from uh, in the French-speaking uh, world. They were in France, and what is interesting, uh, so Peter Waldo was actually a famous businessman, and uh, he had a lot of money, and he finally was able to buy a Bible and actually read the Bible. And when he read the Bible, he was just overtaken by the fact of how much corruption had entered into the church and how the Roman Catholic Church, even in 1140 or and then the 1200s there, were not even following the Word of God at all. And so his followers, as he started teaching, these, these men would go all over uh, France there. They were called the Waldensians, proclaiming the truth. And before you know it, we had uh, other men come along, like John Whitcliffe, who brought uh, the Bible into, and his desire was to bring the Bible into the language of the people. Um, You had a guy named John Huss and his standing for the truth, and many of these uh, these, uh, reformers here were starting to lay the groundwork for the Reformation to really take off. Yes, Martin Luther was kind of, if you want to call it, the loudest voice, but after him came one reformer after another, bringing clarity that it's the Bible and the Bible alone that is our faith and practice. Yeah, so it sounds like there were, there were a lot of issues with the Catholic Church, and in a way that the, there was just a lot of fuel that had been built up. But the spark that finally started everything was really a return to people reading the scriptures, people reading the scriptures for the first time, maybe in their own language, and just with new eyes, understanding what what the gospel truly was. Again, getting away from um, the corruption and the perversion of the Catholic Church and how it understood the gospel and corrupted it for its own uses. But then finally, um, people just understanding, um, you know, as Luther, like what, what the gospel actually was, what, um, you know, faith alone truly meant. Um, so the reformers, um, how has their understanding of the Bible shaped our theo- theology today? So really the reformers um, were not trying to tell the church anything new. What they were doing was saying, you have lost your way. Let's return back to the core of what the Bible is teaching. And so that's where 
Uh, if you were to take all the reformers, and there's literally hundreds of them, if you were to take these reformers and say, what were they saying over and over and over again? It really can be boiled down to the five solas. And the, obviously the word sola means alone. And the five solas are that it is Scripture alone that saves, and Scripture alone is what is our only rule of faith and practice. It was, we are saved by faith alone, by grace alone, through Christ alone, and then all things are done to the glory of God alone. And all of these solas here, and there's Latin ones for each one of them, all of these solas were really the heart, the heartbeat of who um, the Protestant Reformation was, the heartbeat of, as you would call it, the major uh, split between the Roman Catholic Church and then all the other Reformers. Now, um, it's interesting, too, because sometimes the Reformers get a bad rap, because People will look back in history and they're going to say, well, they didn't really, they weren't all correct on everything they said. And, and I would agree, yeah, there was a lot of things some of the reformers really wrestled with. But what these people did was show us again and again the importance of going back to Scripture and Scripture alone. Um, and what happens, though, is there's many times where, and I would even say, too, it's a, um, it's a historical arrogance to think that we are all right right now and that we've never done anything wrong, and then to look back in history and say, oh, all these people are were bad or this or whatever. But one of the things I really do think is important for us to remember is going back and looking at what caused the error and then also what caused these people to understand the truth. Because every generation stands on the pinnacle of, will we pass on the truth to the next generation or not? The baton of the truth can be dropped, and no matter what the generation is before, can be dropped as it's passed on to the next generation. And I really do believe that one of the things that will keep uh, the church at large, as well as CBC, on the straight path is following what the Bible says, these five solas, keeping them as our heartbeat, because if we were to stray from any of them, we will stray straight into error. You know, that's that's really interesting to think about. Um and why we believe the Reformation is so significant, if you compare it to a relay race where every generation is passing on the truth to the, to the um, next generation, you really think about the Reformation in the years before the generations who had dropped that baton. And for the first time, someone's saying, no, this is not right. This is our opportunity to, to you know, reform some of these errors and to set up the next generation with the truth, with the, the Bible. And the, as you said, the five souls really serve as a good framework um, for us. And, and, I, and I think that's significant that we don't lose that understanding um, that, you know, these, these are one of those batons that's been handed down through the generations for us. And it really does shape um, how we read uh, the Bible, how we uh, understand the gospel and how we understand theology. Um, one of the things that um, gets kicked around is Reformed theology. Can you can you just tell us a little bit what is Reformed theology and what are some of its distinctives? So it's interesting because people use the term, what is Reformed theology? And I would say it's the theology of the Reformers, um, but that honestly doesn't answer the question. But Reformed theology is, an, is a theology that first and foremost starts with a, I believe, is a very high view of Scripture that it is Scripture alone that is the, is the benchmark of what we believe in. And then second of all, it is salvation. There's a strong emphasis on salvation, that salvation is by faith alone, 
by the grace of God alone, by Christ alone. And again, we get to those alones, but it's a very strong understanding and a robust understanding that salvation is not something that um, man has come up with. It's not something that man is the initiator of. It is that God is the one who saves. It is God who saves, and he saves for his own glory. And that we, and our role is to give glory to God alone for all things. And so the reform theology, what what that covers is, I believe, is a very biblical view of the the authority of Scripture, the necessity of Scripture, the sufficiency of Scripture, um, and also carries with it a very high view that of God and what He did in His saving work. I, I think that also then gives us a very uh, biblical view of man, that man is dead in his sins, uh, and that it is not until God makes him alive that man can can be saved. And so this is where um, reformers started to realize as they read the scripture that the Catholic Church was teaching that you could somehow earn your way into heaven. And the reformers, as they read the word, realized that no, there's nothing that man can do. Man is helpless in need of a savior. It's that cry of help that was needed, not by an external work, but an understanding that man is a sinner in need of a savior is what saves. And so um, reform theology can be can be brought in as a very, um, I would call it, I would call it a broad understanding of true biblical theology because it's not that the reformers took the Bible and found reform theology. It's the this is what the Bible teaches, and the reformers were saying, "Here's what the Bible teaches. We can't teach anything else other than that. To teach anything else other than that, as Luther would say, is to go against conscience and the Word of God, and there's no other option but to teach the truth." And so um, I would say. Um, now, one thing you have to be careful of, there's a lot of people that even under the Reformed world have a lot of um, dis- disagreements on things, mainly baptism. Uh, you, we could argue that until the cows come home, but that's not the point of this uh, podcast here. But the Reformed theology, though, in general, has a high view of Scripture, a high view of God, a high view of salvation, I would argue, a proper understanding of man, and then also gives us a good understanding of then how we live a, a life um, that is growing in Christ. So theology is something you and I talk about quite a bit. I mean, we're both pastors. We both, um, this is part of our job, but I think it's important for people to understand that they, they need to have a proper theology as well. Um, Reformed theology helps us understand the Bible. And, and really, when you just boil down theology, theology is just how do you understand who God is? It's just the knowledge of God. Literally, that's what right. theology means. And so each one of us has theology. Each one of us is a theologian because each one of us as Christians is pursuing a knowledge of God. And unfortunately, that means we either have a, a right theology or, or an incorrect theology. And so as we look at the five solas and we look at the reformers and their theology, we can see, um, you know, hopefully some of, the, some of the right theology. I mean, that was one of the, the, the main points of the Reformation is let's return to the scriptures for our understanding of God, let's return to the gospel. Let's return to, um, you know, this so that we have a correct theology. Um, even adding to that, uh, one of the battle cries of the Reformation and even the uh, Renaissance that came uh, during that time too was the back to the source. It was let's get back to the original sources. And so during the Dark Ages, when things were all literally dark and there was not um, a lot of truth being spoken. The, the, the push of the Renaissance and then later the Reformation, the push was back to the original, go back to the source. So whether it was go back to 
the architectural and the, the beauty of the past. And then the Catholic Church was under attack because the reformers were going, let's get back to the original, let's get back to the um, the truth of where this came from. And so that cry there that came out of the Renaissance impacted the Reformation back to the source, and it was the source of, this, of Scripture. And, um, and that is this, the strength of the Reformation movement. So where should people go next to continue learning about uh, ref- the Reformation and about theology? Well, one of the books that have, I really actually enjoy, it's a small little book called uh, Reformation Heroes uh, by a guy named Joel Beakey. And it's just a great summary of all of the reformers, what uh, what their lives were like, uh, what happened to them. It technically is written for more of a, a junior high, high school world, but it is just a great resource uh, to read of these great men and women of the faith who literally gave their lives uh, to uh, continue on passing on the truth of the next generation. Uh, there's a another a publishing group called Sola Dea Gloria Publications that has phenomenal resources there. Um, as well as uh, Reformed Heritage books. Any of those books there are just great uh, sources as well. Um, any, Caleb, you want to mention? Yeah, I, you mentioned to these publishers, and one of the things that I think is really neat is they actually work at publishing some of the original Reformers' original works. So um, two that I think are significant would be The Bondage of the Will by Martin Luther. Again, just better understanding of the Reformation. Um, I think everyone should get a copy of Uh, Martin Luther's uh, Bondage of the Will and read it for themselves to see what he was actually saying. Um, Another one, too, would be The Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin. This is a little bit more of a systematic theology, meaning he's working through um, different doctrines uh, that the Christian church understands. But I think it gives you a good idea of what the Reformers were thinking as a whole at that time. And, And I would even add that a lot of people sometimes go, why is everybody always quoting Calvin all the time? Well, actually, John Calvin sat down and during the Reformation, this was when he said, let's actually talk about and write down what the church believes on these things, the true church actually believes. And so from then on, everybody was going, either you agree with Calvin or you don't agree with Calvin, but Calvin was writing down a summary of this is actually what the Bible says. The Catholic Church is so far off, let's actually write down what the Bible says, and he wrote them down, and then in a way they are kind of a benchmark moving forward, not that we're following man, because Calvin was not writing necessarily down his own thoughts, he's writing down here's what the the texts say, here's what the Bible teaches in, in a very summary uh, pattern, in a summarized pattern. The other thing, too, is I'd encourage everyone to join us in October um, for uh, Sunday morning. Um, Tim is actually going to take a break from First Peter, and he is going to do all five of the um, solas, a uh, sermon on each. And I think this is just going to be a wonderful time for us to understand the Reformation and then understand the five solas. Anything more you'd want to say about that special sermon series, Tim? Again, I'd encourage you to come uh, to uh, especially these uh, these five sermon series here because um, there sometimes there can be a little bit of a uh, confusion of are we are we stepping away from the Bible and just talking about things that don't really matter? I would say uh, no because these are the these truths here are in the Bible. We're not we didn't take them and try to shove them in the Bible. They're literally screaming from every page. And so um, I'd encourage you to come to enjoy that to enjoy it, to listen to learn um, and to j- enjoy studying church history. Church history again. Um, is a phenomenal uh, look into the past and helps us remember that, first of all, we're not alone. 
our struggles are not alone, but also that God has faithfully kept and preserved his word all the way down through the ages. Um, Because it really, it almost, when you truly start to study church history, uh, I don't know how you cannot get excited that the sheer fact that we have Bibles sitting in the pews here at our church and you can open a Bible and actually read it for yourself in your language. And that then in and of itself is just a gift that many, many, many people have given their lives, have died to pass that on. And may we never take things like that for granted. Thank you, Tim. And, and thank you, too, for tuning into this special episode of the CBC podcast. I hope that you continue to join us for our, search, our sermons every Sunday and then future podcast episodes. Have a wonderful day.